Hi, I'm Adam Henson. Welcome to Keeping On Track, a podcast series made by the farming community for the farming community. In this podcast, we'll look at loneliness and isolation within the farming sector and how to reduce its impact. Thank you, Adam. I'm Dominic Arkwright. So we're talking today about loneliness and isolation. Not necessarily the same thing as we'll find out, but very common in the farming world. So I was literally seeing no one. Um, I got very friendly with uh, a local shopkeeper who was just the local petrol garage down the road because I'd have a little five-minute chat with him every day. But other than that, I've seen absolutely no one. If you haven't heard our podcast featuring two young farmers, Daniel and Tom, it's worth a listen to get an idea of just how much loneliness can affect us. But this programme is more about the causes of loneliness and what we can and should do about it. So it's partly down to geography. Professor David Rose is visiting fellow at the Royal Agricultural University. Obviously, some farmers are geographically isolated and that contributes to loneliness. We know that farmers can farm in very remote places because they're so busy, they might not leave the farm very often, so they don't see people. And as we know, we're all better when we can seek the company of friends, share problems, uh, enjoy ourselves. And some farmers don't get to do that as often as, as is healthy. But it's not really just about geography and physical isolation. It's about changes in agricultural practice, about changing communities in the countryside and a general decline in social opportunities. The Centre for Rural Policy Research at the University of Exeter has done a lot of work on this. Here are the views of Professor Matt Lobley, Dr Caroline Nye and first Dr Rebecca Wheeler. And geographical isolation is kind of the obvious thing. You know, we're talking about farms often... um, located a long way from towns and villages or um, with poor transport links and that's certainly a reason that we found why some people do feel lonely in isolation but I think actually it's a quite small part of it because I think much more so than that um, it's the lack of opportunities to socialise because you're working very long hours Also, a lot of farmers work alone, so you don't have that kind of day-to-day contact with colleagues, which perhaps people in other sectors might have. I think on top of that, you've got just fewer farmers around than there used to be, because as farms have got bigger uh, and fewer, um, there's fewer farmers within the local area, so their kind of traditional networks have, have changed a little. And it's changed so much over one generation. You know, if you think about, I don't know, 100 years ago, there was a, a huge proportion of our population were working in agriculture. And, and um, so everybody belonged to what was called an occupational community. So even if you, if you left work, you'd be going to the pub and it would be full of people in farming. So you always felt like you had people around you to share with, to exchange knowledge with, to vent to. And gradually over the years with you know, machinery coming in and um, farm workers kind of disappearing from lots of the smaller farms. People are on their own. People are working longer hours. Spouses are often having to go and work off-farm because of the financial issues. So people find themselves completely isolated. Um, they don't necessarily have a network because they haven't had time to actually form one. Yeah, it's a huge issue. And as rural communities have changed, the, the social composition of those communities have changed... 
there's fewer and fewer connections between farmers and non-farming people. So farmers can feel quite isolated. Even they, they might be surrounded by people in a village, but they can be isolated in the sense that they don't feel they've got meaningful connections, that people don't understand, don't understand the life they're going through, don't understand the, the challenges they're going through. So I think the changes in society have made it even harder for, for, for many farmers because of this isolation. In our research, we found a lot of farmers talk about um, feeling very undervalued by their local community or the wider general public, treated unfairly perhaps by the media, um, and that you hear a lot of negative media stories about farming's impact on the environment, for example, um, or issues around animal welfare, um, and perhaps less on the positive side of things. And, and that can make some farmers feel very alienated from the rest of society. So that's a recipe for loneliness. Long working hours, often working alone, a decline in business-related contact, a shrinking agricultural workforce can all play a part. So can lack of phone or internet service, a feeling of being misunderstood and somehow adrift from the non-farming world. But what we find really makes a big difference to the chance of being someone being lonely is if they are in kind of acute kind of financial problems with uh, so they kind of don't quite know when their next meal is coming from or they're really worried about their kind of housing situation that the kind of stress of that and to some degree the stigma of that just makes the world feel very threatening and very lonely. That was Robin Hewings, programme director of the Campaign to End Loneliness. And here's the thing, it's possible to be isolated and not lonely, and it's possible to be lonely even when you're not isolated. Loneliness is a subjective feeling, it's about how you feel about your social relationships. It's an unwelcome feeling, so it's always going to be negative, and that it's when there's a gap between the social relationships you have and those that you would like. And sometimes you can be kind of lonely in a crowd, but you're not connecting with people in the right way. Sometimes loneliness can be caused not by a lack of relationships, but by bad relationships. So uh, a marriage that's going wrong, for example, can be a very lonely place to be. Robin Hewings. And let's not forget the role of COVID in all this. That, according to Professor David Rose, a specialist in agricultural change, wreaked havoc. That pandemic in particular exacerbated those problems of loneliness and isolation because those places where farmers did seek informal support, pubs, agricultural shows, in other spaces in the rural communities, at auction marts, or other, other places, that those all had to shut down or impose distancing, which limited contact between farmers in those spaces where they did have contact. That reduced social contact was a, a big player in the worsening of mental health because farmers didn't socialise overly often because they were so busy. And so when the pandemic shutting down those spaces in which socialisation did happen occasionally was made it even worse. Being lonely takes its toll not just on our mood and our mental health, which we might expect, but our physical health too. It sounds strange, but loneliness can be as bad for us as obesity and smoking, according to Robin Hewings from the Campaign to End Loneliness. Loneliness is roughly in the kind of being 
overweight or obese or not or kind of lack of physical activity kind of that kind of broad area and particularly if we put it loneliness with social isolation we're into a more of a kind of potentially even kind of smoking territory in terms of uh, the impact that it has on people because of its effect on our psychology it can make people sleep less well for example which then has longer term physical and mental health effects and finally the kind of stress and sense of kind of lack of kind of safety and warmth that goes with with feeling lonely has kind of cellular level effects on us through kind of cortisol and those kind of stress hormones so yeah there's a number of ways in which it adds up to having these really quite serious health effects so it's worth doing something about if you can the problem is there's a kind of catch-22 the less social you are the more difficult it becomes to be social. It makes social situations sometimes feel more difficult to go into. We can brood on things much more and worry more about our interactions. It can also be some risk that people can lose social skills. It's something that we think we saw during COVID, particularly with younger people, that people kind of got out of practice um, of socialising. And Carol Ostachewska from Age UK agrees with that. The less often you go out, the less likely you are to want to go out sometimes. It becomes really hard. I remember one client telling me that he would stand and look out the window and think, I'll go out in five minutes. And then I'll go out in five. And he just, and then it would get to the end of the day and he hadn't been out all day. But let's suppose we do want to make some changes. What are the kind of things we might do? Let's start with doctors Rebecca Wheeler and Caroline Nye from the Centre for Rural Policy Research in Exeter. I've spoken to farmers who enjoy getting involved in farming networks, farming discussion groups, learning, um, but I've also spoken to farmers who say, actually the best thing for me is going to play football on a Saturday morning, something completely removed. And, and again, it will be different things for different people. But I think not getting off the farm... Um, not having that social network or social opportunities um, is really damaging for mental health. And, and, you know, that's backed up in the um, research that we've done and our survey results. We found a really strong association between the more often people are taking a holiday and are taking time off the farm, um, the better their mental health. Yeah, go to the local auction mart, go to a, an agricultural show, go somewhere where you around people you can talk to people you feel heard by people um or go and talk to somebody else like you know fcn you don't have to be on the brink of you know being very mentally ill or suicide you can you can still contact some of these organizations to have that connection sometimes it might not be face to face you know you, you might actually find a lot of benefit from just taking part in um an online network of farmers perhaps looking at a particular issue that, that interests you. Dr Caroline Knott, a consultant psychologist who specialises in farmers' mental health, reckons if we can get online, we should. Being online, having that, you know, a computer where you can connect with people, connect to the wider world, is helpful. Knowing that there is online support is helpful. Knowing that you can actually use Teams or, or some sort of you know, vi uh, uh, video conferencing where you can speak to other people face-to-face -face is fantastic for people 
and Ali Hunter-Blair, a farmer in Herefordshire, finds social media a useful way to keep in touch. I enjoy Twitter especially because I have been on Twitter now for, oh God, nearly 15 years I'd assume. And I have spoken to people on there. I know their family history. I know their children. Um, I've never probably been within 300 miles of them. But it's a really nice sense of community, which is really nice. There'd be, there'd be, yeah, there'd be people there I've spoken to for 15 years I've never met. Um, I've probably never been within 100 miles of. But, like I say, I know their farm. I know that the fact they've got two children. I know the one's going to nursery school, the other one's off to secondary or whatever. And that's a really nice way to sort of keep in touch with other people. There's the pub, of course, and for a lot of people, sport may be a way to find more social contact. That's what Philip Watson, a lecturer at Hartbury University, did. I started going to the gym for purely a social reason, to go and meet different people um, and, and talk to people that weren't connected with agriculture. And we talk, talk about lots of different things. And you're not constantly living 24 hours, seven days a week in that agricultural bubble. So getting out and and being able to sort of have those different conversations and just meet different people. I think that has a benefit. Yes, when we're busy in the industry, we're busy, but still try and make that time to do something different and, and have, have a hobby and a life outside of the industry. And young farmer Daniel Boomer also turned to sport when he was at his lowest ebb. At that point, I said, I want to get out, meet new people. I want to make new friends. So I started playing for Ash Ashbourne Rugby Club. We've made about ten friends from that from that couple of months just training, um, which that boosted. I went to the pub after them, got friendly with them, I still chat to them now. So that sort of get up and go sort of um, mentality of I've had enough um, really helped me. So sport isn't for everyone, but there probably is something for everyone. Here's Robin Hewings again. What can also be useful is to think about what it is that would make you less lonely and think about what kind of plans you might want to put in place to do that. And so that might be reconnecting with old friends who you've lost touch with a bit, or it might be by doing something new. And exactly what that is, is just the whole kind of brilliantly rich range of ways in which people come together. It might be around a particular kind of hobby or interest it could be anything from fishing to gardening to dungeons and dragons uh it might be uh getting involved in something religious which again can be uh great and welcoming groups of people and what can be a really good way of doing it is by volunteering with an organization because it's it almost by definition brings you together with a group of people, but you have a kind of shared sense of purpose, which can be kind of especially uh, a good way of, of coming together. So for example, there are great organisations like Men's Sheds, which um, kind of bring men together to um, around woodwork. But what happens when they're doing that woodwork is a whole set of brilliant ways of connecting and finding your people but equally when you're doing it you're not being shoved into very highly social things. And the good news is there are people to help us find activities we might like. We don't have to do it all by ourselves when our motivation and confidence might be low. 
We are very much in favour, however, of better services for loneliness. And one of the best things that we think there that's happened in recent years is that in the NHS there has been a rollout of something called social prescribing. And the idea of social prescribing is that often the reasons why people are accessing health services is uh, is actually for kind of ultimately social reasons rather than medical reasons. And so they've put in place link workers who are people who will um, in many ways go through the steps that I've just been talking about but also very often be that person to take someone into uh, a new group or a new activity so that they're not kind of going through the threshold by themselves. Dr John Bestwick and Dr Judy Robbins are GPs in Wiltshire. We now have a community navigator and a social prescriber in the practice and what they try to do is to help people with getting out more and doing things and there's a wide variety of opportunities which they can help you with and get involved with and get started with and point you in the right direction. The ones that work for you are the ones that you're going to enjoy and the ones that you're going to sustain. So that could be a woodworking class, it could be a university of the third age educational type environment, it could be a walking group, um, it could be volunteering at a, a local shop, it really doesn't matter. Even something really simple like walking to get your paper every day rather than having it delivered. You have the physical activity, you walk to the shop, you say hello to the news agents, you meet somebody with a dog on the way back and say hello to them, uh, and then you sit in and read your paper. And you have you know, three or four points of contact and the physical activity just from doing really quite a simple, act you know, simple activity. There is this kind of catch-22 that it's doing the things to make yourself less lonely are often harder the lonelier you are. That was Robin Hewings from the Campaign to End Loneliness. And this is a good point. Some kinds of social interaction are going to be trickier than others if you're not used to it. Selina Wilkes is a community navigator and there'll be people like her in your area. I meet lots of people who don't want to go to coffee mornings because the thought of sitting and having to make conversation can be really difficult. So going to a craft group or a knitting group or a fitness group, you know, somebody's got a distraction they're doing an activity so nothing is really really focused on them and them having to make conversation helen and guy both in their 60s joined different classes and haven't looked back join the class um there's plenty look in the local magazines or in the local paper there will be something to suit you if you've got an interest like photography that's easy then but uh, especially for, uh, ladies there's plenty, there's knit and chats and sewing classes or uh, lots of uh, little activities like that. Just join one and see how you go on. I think you'll find you're, you're more interested in everything. Just join a class and talk to people. That's the secret, meeting people and talking to them. I think it's a must to get out. Um, I think a lot of people can spend a lot of time at home and you can, and you can get to the point where I don't want to be sociable, I don't want to be with people, but I, but I don't think human beings are like that. I think most people actually want to be sociable and want to be with other people. And let's leave the final word to Carol Ostachewska from the charity Age UK. You feel better. You know, at the end of the day, if you've gone out and you've met somebody and you've had a good conversation or a good laugh, 
you feel better yourself. We are, I think, the authors of our own destiny. We've got to go out there and we've got to meet people. We've got to make an effort. Because it's worth it. And I was chatting to this one particular lady, saying, I wouldn't mind if you just sort of put down a few notes about what this class has done for you. And she turned around to me and she sort of held my hand and she said, I'll tell you what this class has done for me. It has changed my life. So in this programme we've heard about the damage that loneliness and lack of social contact can do both to our mental and physical health. But we've also heard from people who've taken the bull by the horns and done something about it. That's all for now, but do join me again next time. Here's Adam Henson. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping on Track. I hope you found some things in it which were helpful for you or someone you know. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in this podcast, you can find more information about organisations which can provide help and support by going to teamdoctor.org forward slash farmers. Next time, we'll examine the toll long working hours has on farmers and agricultural workers. Until then, keep on track. Music